Welcome back to Season 3 of Talking to Humans. I am one of your co-hosts, Mark Andrus. Uh, I'm joined today by a fill-in co-host named Gina Mendez. Hello, Gina. Hey, Mark. Glad you could join us today. Vicky, as we're recording this, uh, has kind of come under the weather a little bit, so Gina's been gracious enough to, to step in and, and uh, fill those shoes, as I'm sure she'll do admirably, so excited to have her be a part of this. Uh, Gina, because you haven't been on this season of the podcast before, just real quick, um, just share with the listeners kind of what you do here at the church. Um, I am the counseling admin, so I schedule all the counseling appointments and pretty much do whatever Vicki wants. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that she's involved with. You, you help. Know, I help. Gotcha. And I'm the women's ministry admin. Awesome. Yeah. You also do counseling, right? Yes. Okay. On the side. On the side. Yeah. yeah. So you're part of the part of the counseling team here, but the paid role here at Gateway is counseling team admin, women's ministry admin. Yep. Yeah. We let's be honest, like Vicky and I would be lost without you. <laughs> so and that is I know. Yes, that's not an exaggeration. So uh we're excited to have you fill in. We're sad Vicky is sick. Hopefully she'll be back with us next time, but excited to to have you join us today. Um and uh, we're actually we invited Dustin and Tiffany Marsh to come back. Uh last week uh, they spent some time talking through the the topic of forgiveness um, and really shared a lot personally from their story. Um, and kind of at the conclusion of that, as we were, Vicki and Gene and I were talking, just kind of realizing, man, there's there's some more stuff we want to dig into with that, especially then um, the process of like moving towards uh, reconciliation and restoration, um, which is connected to you, but, but still separate and distinct from forgiveness. One doesn't necessarily require the other. And so I wanted to invite them back and talk a little bit more through through some of that stuff. And so Dustin, Tiffany, thanks for uh, joining us again and making time for this. Thanks for having us back. Yep. Should be fun. Yeah. Looking forward to it. So uh, just quick, quick recap. I'm going to try to hit some big bullet points just in case, you know, folks didn't listen to the previous episode, which if you did, you could like just pause this one, go back, listen to the first one with Dustin, Tiffany, part one on forgiveness and, and then rejoin us. If you're too lazy to do that, here's the bullet points. They're married. They have kids. Um, there was, uh, kind of some brokenness in the relationship related to some of Dustin's behaviors, um, and led to a season of separation in marriage. Uh, both went through kind of significant counseling process, um, and through a lot of different work, um, with different people involved, eventually kind of came back together. Um, Dustin moved back into the house and, and yet even after there was some of that kind of beginning to rebuild trust in the relationship, Tiffany shared with us last time, like the the kind of fullness of forgiveness and what felt like man releasing him from the debt, um, being able to truly forgive and trust, like was actually in January of twenty twenty two, which was what how many years after like the original separation? Like how long? Almost pro- three. It's almost three years, um, and so like a quick bullet points. So go back and listen to the other podcast and hear more specifics, but. Um, so yeah, it, right before we started this podcast, Tiffany, you had mentioned even just the reality that the process for you guys was not really a linear one, but it was messy and, and disjointed and, and you know, even going like, hey, I wasn't planning on it taking three years to, to forgive, but that's kind of what it was. But he, he moved back in and there were still positive things that were happening, mm-hmm. trust that was being rebuilt. Um, just if you guys would... It, just from your own experience, like what would you, like, what is the distinction between forgiveness and 
reconciliation. So often we kind of assume those things, those two things go together, but how do you guys understand the difference between those two? Um, so I read something I think that actually was super helpful. Um, the definition of reconciliation is to make friendly again, to win over and to settle or be in harmony. Um, and I thought that was kind of cool. So basically coming to a friendly place where you can actually work on recons or re restoring, um, so restoration is the improvement and expansion of the pre the precious relationship. So I think there it was like a precursor to restoration. Um, I don't know your thoughts on that, but that's kind of yeah. how I would. How would you, and I, I think it's a great definition. How is that different from or distinct from just forgiveness as a concept? Oh, so... Um, Our process was messy, and it didn't go in order, so it was kind of out of order how I thought it would have gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think was being open to the idea of, okay, so how can I live with you in a way that brings honor and glory to God and forgiving you as my act of worship and intimacy with God, um, rather than like pretending everything was okay because everything was not okay. Right. Um, and it was very painful to acknowledge it's not okay. You know, yeah. like there may be a future, there may not. Like, I don't know what that looks like. I desperately hoped there would be. And he was willing to do the work, which was very helpful. Um, but being able to move forward um, was, I think, it was challenging. But he did good work. Yeah. Well, Dustin, what was, she invites you back in. And yet the reality is like, Hey, it's not all better. Like, as you think about like in back in the headspace of, okay, moving back in, like what, like, what was at risk for you? Like, what was the, what was the danger for you? As you just kind of look sober mindedly at that moment, like what was, what was on the line when you moved back in? Um, so for me, what was really on the line was, uh, my life as I knew it. Um, and, more so my life as it could be. Uh, you know, my marriage and my family was my whole life. And so losing that would have been devastating. Um, so that was basically what was at risk. If, if I don't do the work, if I, and at the time when I did move in, um, I felt, uh, like I had no room for error. Mm. Was um, that a was that something like the the pressure that you were kind of internally placing on yourself, or how you interpreted what you were receiving from from Tiffany? A little of both. So <laughs> she, she's I agreeing. Totally agree with that. <laughs> a little of both. Um, looking back on it now, it was probably more pressure on my own self that I, how I viewed myself that I had to be perfect in order to get this right, and. Um, there was a lot of pressure from, um, her also just saying, don't mess this up, you know, and which was fair. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah. Okay. So, so what was it that you had experienced from him, Tiffany, that, that led you, even though there was a lot on the line for you still, um, what was it that you began experiencing from him that let you be comfortable enough to invite him back into the home after the trail? 
Um, there's two things, well, so many things, but I think two major things would be, um, one was he was willing to let me have my own process instead of trying to convince me, um, that he never meant to hurt me or he didn't intend, his intentions were never, um, like there was no minimizing, there was no turd polish, there was no, it was just owning. Right. Um, and that he could sit there and let me feel what I was feeling without talking me out of it or like trying to make it not as big of a deal. Um, that was huge because knowing, um, and I, I mean, I didn't see this at the time, but like watching other people go through it, it was, it is very, very brutal, um, for women to go through it, but also I think for husbands. And that was something that I couldn't see at the time. It was like, no, I don't think you're hurting. I think I'm hurting and you don't have a clue what it's like, which they didn't have a clue what it was like. Um, but he told me at some point, I don't even remember when, but you know, knowing that I caused you the most pain that you have ever felt in your entire life. And I love you so much, but I caused that. And yet knowing that I can't fix it and I don't want you to be hurting, but you have to, like, it, it just is a natural part of what I've done. Mm -hmm. um, so when he wasn't trying to rush that along and like trying to be like, it's okay, it's like, let's put a tourniquet on it so you don't bleed out, you know, um, yeah. that was huge. And then the second thing was, um, he was willing to do whatever it took to build trust, and that was not an easy feat. Yeah. I don't trust easily, so when it was broken, I never thought that would come back. Yeah, yeah that that aspect of like not not rushing, like allowing you to have your own process mm -hmm. and not rushing it. Um, there's just there's an irony when I, as the one who hurt you, mm -hmm. um, somehow like then try to tell you what your process ought to be to recover from how I've hurt you, like. I've, I've kind of abdicated the ability to play any of that kind of role when I'm the cause of the hurt. Um, and so you, you know, you experiencing that from him, just like, Hey, whatever that, whatever that's going to take for you, I'm not going to rush you. I recognize what I've done. Um, you know, there's, it sounds like there's a part of that in which what, what he's really doing is, is acknowledging um, like I've, I've created this. I have to sit in it. Um, me trying to rush anything has a whole lot more to do with me trying to get out of it as quickly as possible than it is caring for you. Um, and so, so there was something, there's a lot of just, even if you couldn't necessarily hear, receive that specifically in the moment, like the more you think over that, the more you're like, okay, he's, he means that. Mm -hmm. um, what was, you said he's willing to do anything. So often when I, you know, we're in counseling rooms, Gene has experienced this and like, and we'll just go this direction. This isn't a sexist thing, but it's just, okay. The guy has done something mm -hmm. <laughs> terrible to the wife, yeah. right? There's brokenness. And what is like, what is the number one thing, Gina, that that guy is asking of us or asking of his wife? How long? Yeah, I was like, mm -hmm. how long? Tell me what to do. <laughs> it's like, and, and that's an understandable question. Um, and yet... Like, I'm curious, Tiffany, the wrestling that you felt of, like, here's, like, I'm willing to do whatever. Like, were you going, I shouldn't have to tell you what to do? Or do you go, oh, Dustin, here's the 17,000 things I need to see? Like, how did you 18, think 000. through 18,000? I, I undersold <laughs> it. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was an element there. I think on the front end, it was very much, okay, well, how long is this going to take? And I remember Vicky was just like, I swear, don't ask her that again. <laughs> so help me you know like you can't know that's not a question that you can ask yeah um and i get where he was coming from but also i also didn't know right i mean i didn't want to be here to begin with 
So this was nothing. I did everything in my humanness and my that I could to not be here. Um, and I think the thing was he was willing to sit in pain mm-hmm. that his own actions caused, and I'm like pain of separation, pain of our like our reality of what it was, um, without his needs being met. Those needs being, um, I'm not sure where my marriage is going. I feel uncomfortable. I feel unstable. Like I don't know what our future looks like. Well, I didn't either. You know, um, so his willingness to sit with that um, and just accept that it was where it was and to be thankful that I was still willing to stay in the process. Like, I was still yeah. willing to work through it. I didn't know what it looked like, you know, but I wasn't going to, Yeah. as long as you were invested, I would also be invested. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going to do more work than you on this. <laughs> yeah. So, but it is a long process. Yeah. Dustin, what did you, like, how did you figure out what to do? All right, so he's like, hey, you're going, hey, I'm, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. How did you, what trial and error process did you use to figure out what it would take? So um, one thing that uh, I'm sure that most men go through is not knowing what to do. So uh, you have a tendency to ask the person that you've hurt. <laughs> Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Yes. This becomes a checklist. How do I fix it? How do I fix it? You yeah. know, and uh, the the process for me was was learning to uh, look at things from her point of view and where she's coming from with it and where she would feel with it and how, uh, how she would feel based upon the actions that I did so that I could understand her experience of where we were at, what was going on, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's, that was kind of key for me is to, to learn to look at things from her point of view rather than my own point of view. And that so, took a long time. Yeah. How, as how, it does usually. How did you do that? Because on one hand you go like, Hey, well just tell me what this was like for you. And she could tell you her point of view. She could tell you her experience. And I mean, I guess that would maybe be helpful, but it sounds like some of what you're saying is you having to do that work to, to imagine that and get into that without her spoon feeding you. How, how did you do that? So, uh, there was a turning point in that. Um, and, uh, Tiffany had, uh, we were having a conversation and we were standing in the garage facing each other and she was pointing at something saying, you know, just giving me an analogy, you know, I, when I look at it, I see this. When you look at it, you're seeing something different because the object was between us. So mm. I was seeing the opposite side of whatever it's in and it, it's different. And, and she actually, she's like, come around and look at it from my side. And like that made it click for me that, you know, that applies also to everything that yeah. I needed to look at it from her point of view. So that was kind of the turning point for me. Not that I did a great job of it after that. <laughs> um, and that's still a process for me. Yeah. So it's, it's not a, like I agree with you. It's not something like, Hey, snap of the fingers. Now suddenly I'm doing this thing perfectly. And as much as you know, you might want that for yourself or she might want that for you. Like the reality is that's not usually how it works. Um, which leads Tiffany to like, there's more, there's more pain and frustration. Like there's, you begin to see steps that he's taking. They're not completed steps. They're tiny little baby steps. How, how did you endure and, and maintain hope and optimism or whatever you might call it as your patience with him as he was growing in that process? Like what kept you, what kept you in the game? 
Um, one statement from the counselor we were seeing. We saw y'all, but we also brought in a specialist because it needed, I think, a lot of addressing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had said, I was so angry one day and so hurt and frustrated. And, like, I don't trust well anyways just because trust seems to always be broken and people aren't willing to build it back. Um, and so I was ugly crying. You know, it's on Skype, and it just <laughs> snot, I'm sure, everywhere. And I was saying, you know, we I've known him for 17 years, married for 15 I kid you not, it's going to take 30 or 40 at least before I trust him. Wow. Like, I don't know how it will. Like, how do you build that back? Um, and he said, don't enter your, he said, our God's rate of redemption does not equal our rate of destruction. Say that again. <laughs> um, God's rate of redemption does not equal our rate of destruction. Hmm. And I about bowled over and fell over into the pile of Kleenexes like, oh, wait a second. What? Like, huh. Okay. So, you know, and and we know that he makes graves out of gardens and beauty for ashes, but that's a process and it does take time. Um, But to be willing to say in it, as long as there was, as long as he was working and trying, yeah, I was willing to as well. And giving myself the space, like, all right, God, let's see what you're willing to do. So we've seen you work miracles, right? Like, I know you can. Yeah. So, so even though, so even though, hey, this is going to be a very long process, Mm -hmm. So what, like one of the things I just heard you say was like, as long as Dustin stayed in the game, as long as he kept trying, as long as there was like consistency on his part, which I would assume would be consistency and following through on being patient with you, not demanding you hurt less or expecting you to be somewhere where you weren't. But like, he's going to keep trying to own stuff, keep trying to enter into, see it from your perspective, like the consistency of him entering in, like you experiencing that helped you kind of stay in there, even though it wasn't a completed effort yet. Yes. And it was never about perfection. And yes, I didn't want him to mess it up. Right. Because there was a lot, I didn't want to be a single mom. I don't want to raise three kids by myself. I don't want to do life alone without him. Yeah. Um, but the texture was different when he was doing good work. Um, and I don't mean like, you know, works, but I mean like (laughs) when he was truly doing good self work, the texture was so different. It was, um, in his face, you could see it reflecting what I was feeling or mm. reflecting, like, I knew he felt it. Now, not to the degree I felt it, but I right. knew it wasn't like throwing a ball at a wall and watching it bounce off. It wasn't like that. Yeah. Um, where it had been early on. And he, you know, he would say the right things like, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I understand I've hurt you. Uh, you know, you know, I can tell by your okayness um, that you weren't broken about what broke me. Um. So seeing him be broken and seeing him hurt when I hurt was super, I mean, that, that was very healing. Not that I wanted him to hurt. Although there is an (laughs) element of like, you feel like if they feel what I have to feel, they won't do it again because nobody wants this kind of pain. Yeah. Um, So, so Dustin, my guess is there are points during this process where you are trying to be consistent. You're trying to stay in the game you're trying to figure out what to do, how to do it. There are probably points in that process where you were discouraged, maybe not getting the kind of you know feedback or, or affirmation or like, hey, you're doing a good job. Um, I don't know, maybe Tiffany is great. That I don't know. But like <laughs> she says no. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> what, what were some of the discouragements that maybe at various points were like temptations for you to you know, throw on the towel or be like, man, this isn't worth it. Like this is too hard. It's not 
not going to return on investment here. What were some of the discouragements that, that you faced in that process? Um, there was a lot of discouragement. Um, and initially, like, uh, I would get very discouraged if, like, she would stop a conversation, like, because it wasn't going well, because I wasn't open to hearing what she was having to say, and I wasn't entering into that space, and that would get discouraging. Plus, I was not in a healthy state of mind to be able to process what she was telling me at that point, too. Um, and I did notice, like, as we went through the process, if I was able to give her the space to be like, nope, we're shutting this down. I'd be like, okay, and give her the space to be able to do that. It started to rebuild the, the trust. Like uh, one of the analogies that you um, talked about in our sessions was, you know, building the block one ball at one building a wall one block at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, in the beginning, I didn't, uh, I was not careful with trying to build those blocks one at a time. Like if it didn't go well, I just knocked the whole wall down and be like, oh, mm. or I assumed that was what was happening um, <laughs> yeah. a lot. So uh, that was kind of the the big thing that I saw was that changed things for us was being able to enter the space with her and allowing her the space to feel whatever she's feeling, even if I don't agree with it. Because, um, you know, my past growing up, my my family never processed anything, never did anything. You know, if they had a disagreement, they just didn't talk about it the rest of the day. And the next day, they act like it never happened. So it's because it didn't. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yes. And so, uh, you know, that was my go to in the beginning of the process, especially um, is like, why can't she just move past this kind of thing? Right. Um, and then when anything where she would, would say, hey, I don't like the way this is going, I would be like, well, why can't you? My, my internal was thinking, well, why can't you just move past this and let's just move on? Right. And which. Did you ever say that out loud? He did not. He was very gracious to not, which is very wise. <laughs> yes, this wisdom on display. And yet that, that thought process is there. Like, And that's that's an understandable question to ask. It's wise to keep that inside. But like the function, though, even of that thought, like what does that serve to do is it, it, it places the responsibility for the trajectory of the relationship on her, mm-hmm. which isn't fair because she wasn't the one that damaged the relationship. And so like, even if that's not like a purposeful, intentional deal, like what that serves to do is, is it's just like Adam in the garden. Yeah, I was, I was there. I should have intervened. I should, but God, it was a woman. You gave her to me. It's like everybody's fault. My own. Oh, you know, well, I acknowledged, I confessed. Now she's the one that can't get over it. Um, which really reveals still some, you know, some entitlement and like, Hey, I, I, I deserve to have this go my way, which really stands in the face of, what forgiveness is really requires and what creates opportunity for, for restoration and reconciliation. So again, I'm glad you did not say that out loud. (laughs) But also in those conversations, um, and it took, it took a while to get there just because he was learning. I was learning like, Hey, I'm not comfortable with how this is going. Like I'm, I'm sensing defensiveness, but then also when the conversation, when I would shut it down, like I can't do this. Mm -hmm. I don't see, like I just need time and I feel like you need time. He didn't have a resignation of like, oh, woe is me, or, oh, you know, I'm just trying, and why can't you? Like, oh, again, nothing I ever do is good enough. It wasn't that. I mean, there was, there was sometimes. sometimes, <laughs> yes, definitely. But there was also <laughs> good work also looked like being able to readdress it without a, and it was kind of, it's kind of a 
juggling, I don't know if juggling is the right word, but a wonky act of I want to readdress it and I want to engage in it in a healthy manner. This is Dustin speaking. I want to engage in it in a healthy manner, but I don't want to push you into that. And I am ready to talk and I am ready to listen and to hear right. when you're ready. So there, when it did get shut down, it wasn't a resignation right. and there wasn't blame. Um, or, and good work also for him looked like, you know, not relieved that I shut it down. Like, oh, thank God I got off the, that was, <laughs> oh, that was an awkward yeah. conversation anyway. It's like he was willing to sit in awkward conversations for the 400th time that we've talked something over because I needed closure on it. Right. And it took 400 times sometimes, <laughs> maybe well, more. The other thing that was an important part of that too was um, me taking the ownership and responsibility of bringing that subject back up. Yes. Right. Because then it, it means her. it's still on your mind. Right. You're still thinking about it. You're not like, whew. Right. And also it's not her responsibility to bring the conversation back up. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the, she shut it down. Yes. But I can bring it back up and say, Hey, do you want to talk about this again? Yeah. When, when he would do that, what would that communicate to you, Tiffany? Well, if I'm honest, it was instantly softening. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's almost like you didn't want to say that. <laughs> well, okay. I understand what's what happening here. What I don't here. want it to communicate to other guys <laughs> is like, oh, just bring it back up. Even if it's not a good time and her heart's not in it and she'll let you off the hook. It wasn't that. Gotcha. But it was like, okay, so he doesn't, he's not deliberately trying to, he is working. He is doing his process. It just took him a minute. Um, it was healing in a way of like, okay, so the pain that I feel all the time that doesn't go away like, even when you're sleeping, it doesn't go away. Um, that was also on his mind. And he didn't want me to suffer needlessly any more than already necessary by yeah. carrying around now the burden of a conversation that needed to happen that didn't. Yeah. So it reminds me, it's, uh, it was Ed Welch. One of the things that he says a lot is um, love says to another person, you're on my heart. Mm-hmm. And, like, that could be, like, Hey, I just thought about this person. I'm going to shoot you a text. Hey man, think about you praying for you today. Love says you're on my heart. Like unique to this, this kind of situation where there's conflict and there's a a distance and a separation of brokenness, brokenness in the relationship that the, for the offending party to communicate in, in helpful ways, but to communicate like, Hey, I'm still thinking about this. Like I, I don't know what to do to resolve it. I can't move you along for ready to go, but like, I'm not going anywhere. I'm I'm thinking about how this is impacting you. This part of it is on my heart. Like when you talk about being softened by his approach on that, it seems like part of that is is like, hey, you and your pain are important to me. They're on my heart, and I'm I'm willing to stay in it for your sake, even though there's more, like that is more discomfort for me. Yes, and watching it was uncomfortable for him immensely, <laughs> um, as it was for me. And I think why that was impactful is because and not to like hash it up and bring it up again, but like when he was looking at porn, I wasn't on his mind as right. is no wife. And it was a polar opposite of, I'm actually thinking about you and the pain rather he was aware of it rather than selfishly doing what was comfortable for him or what he wanted and what he desired. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. So, so the broader context of this conversation is, you know, the, the season of talking to humans is conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, when there is conflict, it doesn't always mean that there's sin. Sometimes it means that, hey, we just have different opinions or different philosophical approaches to stuff, and we got to figure out, you know, what baggage do we bring to that? Why do I have the opinions that I do? Why do I hold them so tightly? Like, all those sorts of things. But a lot of times, though, 
in relationships, the conflict comes because one party has sinned against another. Hence this conversation on, yes, I just said, hence I'm super old, but like, (laughs) hence this conversation on, okay, underneath conflict, the need for forgiveness and the hope for reconciliation and restoration. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as I, as I think about just the different elements of, of your guys' story, I think about even just if forgiveness Forgiveness, the definition of that is to release someone from a debt that they owe you, which requires that the offending party acknowledge the depth of the debt. Like, how can I release you from the debt you've created against me if we have no idea how, how deep that debt is? Mm-hmm. And that's not a, that's not a, like, I do this once, you know, sort of thing. Because the reality is, like, sometimes you don't, you don't realize how deep that debt is. You don't realize the, the ripple effects of that. Like, oh, wow, this, this hurts more and in more areas than I knew. And so... Yeah, I, you know, I forgave or I understood some of that now. And two months down the road, oh, wow, it's like it hurt me here. I saw this person or like I drove down this road and brought back this memory. And and so both parties in conflict relating to the, the, the topic of forgiveness, like the offending party, like you have to be willing to to see and acknowledge that and also be open to there might be more. And the curiosity to try to find out what that is and the humility to receive it, you know, when it's given to you, like, hey, actually, here's this sort of thing. Whereas when when forgiveness goes sideways, it's the, I'm demanding forgiveness from you. You're Christian, you have to forgive. Mm-hmm. And then once I've, once you say that you've forgiven me, you are never allowed to be affected or hurt by this thing ever again. Any, any other ways in which you hurt means you're harboring bitterness and resentment and you're keeping a record of wrongs, which by the way is a bad translation of First Corinthians 13, but different conversation nor can it ever be brought up again right yeah which that's just that's not how things work it's wrong the yeah. bible is a whole entire book of record of wrongs <laughs> right and the so i said it's a bad God. translation of first corinthians 13 but yeah. we'll talk to seth about that later like the but but the the offending party is willing to go here's everything that i can see and acknowledge right now i'm gonna sit in that i'm gonna own it i'm gonna name it not just what i did but why it was wrong and the variety of ways in which that has hurt and impacted and affected you whom I've sinned against. And I'm going to expect that there's probably more things I'm not aware of. Likewise, the, the person offering forgiveness, um, his, you've got to be able to, to see the debt for what it is, not minimize it, not dismiss it. Well, it's just every man's struggle or whatever that sort of like, no, this is actually vile. Whatever this thing is, this was an assault against the, you know, image of God and another person naming it for what it is. Um, actually makes forgiveness a more beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then to be able to, to go like, hey, I, I don't fully understand myself. I don't know all the ripple effects of this. And so for the for the offended party to be able to to have the kind of security that says, when I'm, when I'm hurt by this later on because of something else that reminds me of it, that doesn't necessarily mean that now I'm in sin or that I'm, you know, weak or that I'm bitter. Like it means, yeah, this sin really did what sin does, mm-hmm. which is hurt and spread. And so it's like forgiveness is not a one time, all right, we've had this conversation, it's over, but it's a it's a process through which both parties continue to interact and try as, as much as possible to share openly and honestly about the experience with one another. And so there is then a natural bleed over into, you know, when it's possible, that kind of reconciliation and then restoration. Yeah. You know, it went a little bit out of order for you guys, kind of. But if you think about forgiveness being a, a long process, it kind of makes sense that you'd go, hey, here are these things you begin to experience from him, the willingness to be patient, not pressure you, be affected by what you were affected by, 
Um, when he didn't make it about him. Right. He, yeah, he kept it about you. The focus rightly is on, hey, the person that I've hurt, like that's, that's in alignment with the character and the heart of God. Like throughout scripture, we see who, like, who has God inclined his heart to? The humble, the oppressed, the overlooked, the needy, the, like that's who his heart is for. And so Eve, there's a unique way in that, you know, like don't sin against your wife so that you have an opportunity to do this. But like as the offending party, to keep the focus on her rather than demand, well, I'm hurting too, or, yes, wine. Um, yeah. yeah, or victimize. Like that's, that's actually a way in which you reflect some of the character of God and part of what is required then to, to begin to rebuild trust. Um, so I really appreciate you guys just kind of giving a real practical example of how that has played out in your relationship. Um, the danger is people hearing this and going, well, that's what it has to look like for me. Like your process, your story was your process and your story, mm-hmm. um, to project that onto somebody else or somebody else. Well, that, that's what it must look like for me. Like that's not usually how it works. No. Um, what, what would, what encouragement would you give? Like thinking through general principles, just thinking through the different elements of your story, regardless of the order in which stuff goes like, what encouragement would you give to people who are going like, man, we've acknowledged there's a conflict here. Like there's been the acknowledgement of like, I need forgiveness. Like some of those initial steps out of the way, but really struggling with rebuilding trust, really struggling with, I want to reconcile, um, he's doing a lot of the right things and it's meaningful, but like my heart just isn't there or the guy that's going like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't even know where my wife is at. She can't share with me. I'm trying to do this stuff, but I don't like what encouragement would you give to people who are just wrestling in the, the limbo of that process of, of restoration reconciliation. So for me, like uh, encouragement to the guys is, you know, be honest with who you really are and, not the polished up image of you have and work on making yourself a better person and, you know, dealing with the ugliness and sin that's in you, um, that's in all of us, uh, and process through that because coming out on the other side, it makes you feel like a completely different person and your life will be much better regardless of how your marriage actually goes. Uh, if you become the best you, you can be, your life is going to be better than if you stay where you are. Hmm. Yeah. When I think about like the way you talk about that, like God's Romans eight, 20 through 30, you know, says that the, God's will for us, what God is up to is conforming us into the image of Christ. Um, which, which means sanctification, which means growing in holiness and obedience and all these sorts of things. And there's no, like when you look at Christ, uh, those things were not always met with joy and happiness and things going well, like becoming more and more Christ-like. We expect that that is not always going to be, you know, we're not always going to get the kind of response that we would want. And yet um, I appreciate kind of what you're saying. Like, Hey, even if the, even if the marriage, like even for whatever reason, reconciliation just isn't possible. Trust cannot rebuild because of the damage I've done is so terrible. Um, it is still like the best thing for me is still to pursue Christ, to be transformed by him. Like why I want to change is not to get my family back. Although that's certainly a valid desire, but the the ultimate thing is not, I want to get my life back the way I want it. It's I want to be right with God. I want to participate in the work that he's doing. Um, Becoming that like the best version of me 
is me sanctified, is me being transformed and conformed to the image of Jesus. And that has no guarantees that comes with it, but it's still worth it. Um, Tiffany, what, what encouragement would you have, you know, obviously kind of gender stuff, like for ladies who are wrestling with that and going, I, I want to reconcile. I want to rebuild, but I just, I don't know how to do that. I always have like, no matter what he does, I still have the suspicion this, like how, what encouragement would you have? Um, I don't think suspicion is bad and that doesn't equal not building trust. Does <laughs> he, he has built trust, but you know, periodically, is it okay to check his phone? Absolutely. Because it actually confirms you are being trustworthy. It doesn't mean that I haven't trusted. Um, and actually the more trustworthy he is, I don't remember the last time I checked his phone, hmm. which I never thought that would ever happen either. I was like, yeah, well, you know, I'll check it every <laughs> twice a day if that's the case. Um, but that was more like a marker like a gauge of where he was at because the communication wasn't there either. Yeah. Um, and what communication was there was lies. So in becoming an honest person, which is something I think that was fair to say he wasn't, mm-hmm. um, and watching him build trust and be honest and be even, and it was built in the small moments. It wasn't built in like, did you look anything today on your phone? It was built in, um, uh, for instance, he would say, um, I don't know, like I, I was busy at work and then he would be like, actually, wait, hold on. Like I did have a lot to do today at work, but there was also downtime. And in that downtime, I actually was thinking this and here's what I was processing. It was like, oh, okay. You know, like it was instead of rounding it off and just, you know, oh, I, I finished lunch at like, I don't know, around 12 or whatever. It was like, actually it was in the details for me. Like, wow, you were really being aware because if you're aware, the more aware you are, you're aware of where you're at, you're aware of where your heart's at. And then yeah. I know where that's at. Um, so for ladies, I think there's two things. I think one is, um, be okay with where your process is and where it's at. Don't rush it. Um, I think I felt pressure. I felt hopeless in some ways. Like it's never going to be like, is it ever going to be better? You know, is God really going to restore it? Um, but then simultaneously like, okay, can it happen yesterday? I also felt that pressure. I have, we had three kids. We had like, why is it taking so long? You know? Um, but then again, simultaneously wrestling with, um, I don't know how I'll ever trust him, but how does this work? So holding, I think two truths or three or four, like whatever that looks like, you (laughs) know, that it was okay to feel that it was messy, but then also being okay with acknowledging where it is. You know, I guess my question to wives who I would say, is he really doing good work? You know, um, is he forgivable? Not that that's your, your job to decide, but Dustin was, there came a point where he was forgivable where he was owning things and it made it so much easier to forgive him because it wasn't, um, if you could compare it to like a loan, it was easier to forgive the loan amount than it was the loan amount plus interest. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So when he was being forgivable, it was like there was an interest working against him. That's um, good. That's a good metaphor. Uh, and then also, um, I think call it what it is. Is he doing good work? Is he really being, is he owning it? Is he being defensive? Because I think all those are really telling that he just wants the end result. He doesn't want to feel any uncomfortableness regardless of what you are feeling. Right. Yeah. And I think that's more wives feel it. I think so much more. Maybe that's not fair to say, but <laughs> you yeah. know, there's a lot. You to can forgive. say that. That's okay. There's a lot to yeah. forgive. There's a lot to overcome and absorb for that. Yeah. One of the things that I've, I've experienced a bit is like that, that doubting, like, can I ever trust him again? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, there's a little bit of like, wordsmithing but one of the things that i've just tried to communicate with with different people i've talked to is um you have no way to know that um because you've never 
you've never had the opportunity to be in an honest relationship with him. It's like, no, you can't trust an untrustworthy person who's got patterns of, you know, undealt with deception or betrayal or whatever. Like you have no idea if you'll be able to trust him. Um, let's, let's hold off on worrying about that question or trying to figure out what it would take until you actually are able to interact with the real him or the real her. Like then, then when you, like, now you might be able to trust that person because it's a completely different person than, than who you are now. Like, no, you can't trust him as he is right now. And, um, Gina, you've been the quietest co-host of all time. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious, just you did a lot of listening. What are some, you know, last thoughts, things that you're thinking through observations, warnings, encouragements, anything that's on your mind? Yeah, I didn't interject because I didn't feel a need to. And, I thought you guys did great, and um, I didn't really have anything better to add to that. Um, <laughs> I, I, the kids part of it and reconciliation with the kids has been on my mind a lot, and I know that that doesn't pertain to all conflict, and so, and we probably don't have time to address that. But um, real quick, how was that for your kids during the separation and then introducing him back in? Um. We did a lot of things wrong. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think one of the things that I was thankful for was how he initiated, like how he communicated, like the conversations that happened. Um, I am moving out. I have broken mom's trust. He owned it on the front end with them. Um, and then moving back in, they got to see. So they actually call him old dad, new dad. Hmm. Um, and Mackenzie probably, I don't know what you think, like, eight or nine months ago, so she's 13 now, so she would have been newly 12, um, and just talking about story, because sometimes our story will, you know, come up with them, and we'll talk through things, and um, she actually said, and she, it was so sad, it was through tears, she said, you know, I am so thankful for new dad, but I'm angry that that's all Riley will ever know. Oh, wow. I mean, she said, not that I want her to ever right. experience that, but the fact that she gets a whole lifetime with him, and I don't. Yeah. That's tough. So, in that, um, it the they saw the change. It wasn't it's something that um, was difficult to see. They could see, and they can tell you within seconds, like, hey, dad's having an off day. It feels like old dad again. And he's very quick to be like, well, then I'm going to take a time out because I don't want that to be your experience. Yeah. Like, and obviously the case more like when there is separation or when there's significant conflict, um, like even the questioning of like, how can I make sense of this? How do I, how do I gauge like, where's he at? What's his motives? Like, ah, with older kids, like you have the plurality in some ways in place where like, they can, they'll sometimes be a barometer of that, mm-hmm. um, and can affirm or, you know, bring suspicion to some places where you're at. And so like, I remember you guys had shared a few different things that, you know, as, as he moved back in and like some of the things a girl said, a letter that Ashlyn wrote, like things like that, that, um, that I imagine were actually really helpful for you, Tiffany, because like, okay, so they're seeing what I'm seeing, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's some agreement, there's crossover there. Um, versus, you know, a lot of times what can end up happening when you don't have that kind of plurality is like, well, and everybody else seems to be thinking this is okay, but I'm not experiencing that at home in these other places. And so I like I, unique to your situation. I'm glad that you, you had that plurality in the, you know, the girls to be able to 
affirm some of that experience, but then also offer encouragement to him. Like, Hey dad, I see this new, I appreciate, I'm glad about this, which I'm assuming is also both sad and extremely encouraging for you as well, Dustin. Yeah, it is. Um, so one thing that's that's really important point in this is, um, realize that no matter your age of your kids, that they are going to be affected by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you do need to talk to them about it and connect with them and get their experience of it as well, because that is, this is a, a trauma for them too. Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, guys, I, I really appreciate you coming back to kind of share more of your story with us. Um, obviously there's a very kind of specific factor to your story as it relates to betrayal, as it relates to separation, marriage, kids, um, and yet, even in that, like some of the principles and some of the, the, the practices and struggles that you guys work through apply broadly to situations where there's con- sinful conflict that then needs ownership and responsibility and making about what I've done. Um, I love the, you know, I actually have shared the letter that you wrote with to your girls. Like I've shared that with other guys, like not trying to tell them what to do. But I'm like, here's an example of ownership and what this looks like. And, um, so even those principles apply more broadly to those, those issues of what, it, like, what does it take to begin moving towards a place where forgiveness is possible um, that then creates the, the, the framework for reconciliation and restoration to, to eventually take place. The one thing I just want to say in all that is this is, this is a work of the Holy Spirit. Like Absolutely. who God is. God is a God of reconciliation. That is what he's all about. Um, it is not in us naturally to do that. What's naturally in us is defensiveness. It is self-protection and, you know, not forgiving because I don't want to put myself in that situation again. And so the hard work that you guys put into it, you participated, you did the work, but you did the work in the strength that the spirit provided for you. Um, and I just, you know, being a part of that over the past couple of years, you guys working through has been a privilege for me. And I'm just really grateful for you guys sharing that story with us, um, and with folks who listen to the podcast. So thanks again. Um, that's going to conclude our time on this episode of talking to humans, Dustin, Tiffany, thanks for uh, joining us, Gina. Thanks for co-hosting with me and, uh, we will look forward to seeing you all next time. Have a good one.